the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Who doesn't love London? Who doesn't love beer? Who doesn't love cholera? Record scratch. What are we talking about? Well, uh, first, we'd like to introduce our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. They call me Ben. Noel, we're coming in hot. Ben, I think one of those things is not like the other. I think you can love London and beer and not love cholera. I think that's that's entirely a, a plausible scenario. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And this is also, it's funny, we we're talking about today's episode off air for a while, and one of the things that we noticed is that we've run into several stories about London and cholera. You may have uh, heard our earlier episode on the train of the dead or the so-called great stink. Uh, but today we're we're returning to this period in time with a little bit of a different take. Now, if you, you've listened to our previous episodes, Ridiculous Historians, you know that in 1854, there was an outbreak of cholera in London, specifically in the Soho district. And previously, we had introduced a physician with a name that was not... Uh, associated with Game of Thrones at the time, a doctor named Jon Snow. Yeah, this guy knows lots of stuff, unlike Jon Snow, who, who knows nothing, but also knew some things, but also was a little bit dumb. Jon Snow is this fellow's name. It's true. He was an epidemiologist, I guess, which you could refer to before that was even a thing. He sort of like blazed the trail for that field. Um, and he was very uh, much responsible for figuring out why so many people in London and, and the surrounding areas were getting so very sick. 
there was at the time this concept known as miasma theory, the idea of bad air, you know, and that these diseases and maladies were being spread through the air. Snow, through some trial and error and, uh, you know, some crack uh, medical detective work, figured out that wasn't the case at all. And uh, he traced it to the water. And one thing that really helped him do that was isolating the beer drinkers from the people who were drinking, like, well water and and water that came from the pumps, which oftentimes was uh, directly pumped from the Thames River, which, as we know, uh, even today, it's not the place you'd really even want to take a dip, let alone drink water from. But um, that's the the broad strokes, the setup. Let's backtrack a little bit. Um, We've had six worldwide cholera epidemics from 1817 to 1923, and during one of the biggest outbreaks in London, the water in the Thames got so bad that uh, there was a uh, political cartoon that dubbed it uh, Monster Soup. Uh, and it, it was like one of those really, you know, cool kind of stylized political cartoons that had it full of like all these like hydras and Loch Ness monsters and chimeras and gorgons and all that good stuff. And check out Mental Floss for an article about five infamous epidemics that we hope to never see again, mm-hmm. uh, where we pulled some info for this episode. Flash to 1854, though. And uh, also check out Vintage News by Diana Radeska, uh, the 1854 cholera outbreak of Broad Street. So during 1854, which is the third epidemic, parts of London were bad when it came to cholera. Very, like, to be clear, it was in multiple areas of town, but the biggest, worst part of the outbreak was in Soho in the space of... Just three days, 127 people died. And just a month later, there were 500 plus people dead from cholera. And folks, again, thought that it spread through miasma, which is the air being bad, specifically air rising from the soil at night. You know, so you could say these people are getting sick. Maybe they live by a graveyard or some other place where the soil might be considered tainted. But The thing is, the Soho of that time was not the Soho of today. It didn't have all the cool, you know, gentrified stuff, the restaurants, the clubs, the urban diversions, as they're called sometimes. Uh, Instead, it was a slum. It was a really tough place to live. There were a lot of sanitation problems, not least of which the fact that the wells from which the population got their water were like right next to cesspits and trash piles. Mm-hmm. And they knew what cholera was, right? They didn't know how it spread, but they, they knew its effects. And this is where John Snow, who has already made his name as an obstetrician, uh, he, this is where he comes in. He publishes this treatise on the mode of communication of cholera in 1849. And he says, look, it's not bad air, folks. The plague here is caused by dirty drinking water. It's caused by pollution. It's caused by sewage. And it always commences with disturbances of the functions of the alimentary canal. Everybody ignored him. Yeah, even his fellow physicians, the medical um, community, 
thought that he was uh, really overreaching. Because, you know, it was sort of like the equivalent of, like, the idea of the humors, you know, back in the earliest days of of, medic- of medicine. Um, the idea of having too much bile or being, like, overloaded with one particular humor or another, or being, like, col- col- colicky, or what was it, Ben? Not colicky. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, the idea that your temperament would be, and, and your, you know, your health would be determined by the balance of these, like, ephemeral kind of, like, substances that existed in the body. And, of course, all that stuff has been debunked. Uh, it's very much akin to like leaching and bad blood. You know, this is bad air and it was totally accepted by the uh, medical community. So (laughs) that being the case, this miasma theory, you know, being the, oh, that's what it is. And then we can do about that. And that's the funny thing about it too, is like, it's a theory that really doesn't have much recourse. You can't exactly suck the bad air out of the sky and filter. They didn't have that technology. At least, you know, Jon Snow had a theory of a thing that we could maybe avoid. Let's just try it out. What do you say? We try to, you know, drink water from elsewhere or like mm-hmm. boil the water or do something to, to purify it. At least he didn't get thrown in an asylum like the guy who Ask people to wash their hands. Shout out Sam. Exactly. That's how things were in those days. These were very, you didn't want to upset the apple cart of science, um, which is apparently uh, an apple cart situation. Uh, So cholera outbreaks continued in London and Newcastle. And in 1853, more than 10,000 people lost their lives due to this outbreak, due to this epidemic. Then again, in the summer of 1854, uh, in Southwark, London, and Lambeth, which is south of the Thames, we saw another devastating outbreak. And then the big one hit in Soho, what we set up the episode with. August 31st, 127 people in three days were killed. And the people started to freak out and just flee the city. And this was very similar behavior to what had happened during the bubonic plague in 1666. There were some, you know, echoes of that. And people were not sticking around to find out what happened next. Yeah, why would you? Three quarters of the population had left by September 7th. Uh, We do have to point out, Jon Snow, Dr. Snow, lives near Soho. So this is close to home for him. You know what I mean? I think it's important to establish he's not hanging out in some country cottage expounding on things based on his own humors of the time. Look, this was a huge problem, and this kind of disease could be a great equalizer. It was striking people based on their water sources they would come to find. Uh, In the middle of the 1800s, you know, folks didn't have their tushies, shout out tushy, check out our episode, or running water in homes. It would be incredibly unusual. Instead, you would have a communal pump, you'd have a town well, and you would get the water that you used for literally everything, washing, cooking, drinking water. Septic systems were super old, this is weird, but this, for some reason, this used to fascinate me when I was a kid reading about this period of time. A lot of untreated sewage or like animal waste crap from livestock, basically, uh, would either be thrown directly into the Thames. Back in the day, it used to be, uh, instead of a sewage system, there used to be this open sewer running down the middle of streets. And you would just throw your stuff from there. Uh, And you would sometimes do it from the second floor. So it wasn't uncommon to get hit with a pile of uh, filth. But they also had these open pits called cesspools. And to make it worse, water companies pulled a Nestle. They would go to the Thames, which was a free source of water. They would bottle the water. And then they would uh, sell it to pubs and breweries and other businesses. Nobody was checking the sewage. There was not like a big 
filter, not even a, a primitive filtration system that they ran this through. So Dr. Snow reasonably says, you know, I think it might be that we're dumping all of our trash in the river or into these literal centuries-old trash piles. And I, I, I think that might be bad for the water. <laughs> and and he, was he had thought this for a while. And the opportunity to really try to prove his theory came amid this great tragedy of this cholera outbreak. Yeah, and he he, he uh, opined on this uh, in, in his journals. Um, he wrote, within 250 yards of the spot where Cambridge Street joins Broad Street, there were upwards of 500 fatal attacks of cholera in 10 days. As soon as I became acquainted with the situation and extent of this eruption of cholera, uh, I uh, suspected some contamination of the water of the much-frequented street pump in Broad Street. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. 
I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos, and the last one, God bless it, I just I I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally, but it, it still was like a a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh-huh. Remember that? The street pump. That is where he traced it to. Or at least that was the most obvious culprit yeah and picture picture a uh, increasingly sleepless dr snow working around the clock scenes flash back and forth of him tracing things around the town pump him talking to people him uh hitting the bricks uh while there's the sound of a ticking clock well wait we don't know about the sound design yet max because Second hands on clocks appeared in the 15th century on German clocks, but they didn't really become common until the 18th century. So there you go. Be fun at parties. Anyhow, the, <laughs> the idea here is that he was he was studying this the same way like a like a civil engineer or a traffic engineer might sit at a light and study traffic. And he was looking at public records. He found this strong correlation. People who lived or worked near the pump, this one in particular on Broad Street, were more likely to use it, and thus they were also more likely to contract cholera. He established this correlation. He used a geographical grid to chart deaths from the outbreak, and in each case, he tried to determine conclusively whether they had accessed pump water or whether they were more likely to. And then he was eventually, pretty quickly actually, convinced that this pump was the source of the epidemic in Soho. It's kind of like finding out the killer lives in your neighborhood. It's pretty cool, though, because, I mean, he really did take a strategic approach when all of these other, you know, frankly, quack physicians were just blaming, you know, the, the magical bad air, um, the miasma or whatever, which also we've seen... Um, kind of lampooned in uh, political cartoons, like like almost like um, personifying the air as some sort of like spooky ghost or something like that, you know, with like evil uh, tendril type fingers or whatever. I, I, we've seen those before in previous episodes where we've talked about this subject. But he traced it to that pump and he was able to kind of like, you know, like I said, do some kind of sleuthing. And he asked around and he found the proprietor of this uh, little cafe in that neighborhood who served uh, water to her customers directly from the Broad Street pump along with their meals. And she personally knew of nine customers that had gotten cholera. This is kind of cute. There is a, a popular 
kind of a, a sweet drink at the time was called sherbet. Uh, not the sherbet we know, the delicious, uh, fruity, uh, creamy ice cream type uh, substitute, but this was a powder that you would put in water and it would get fizzy. Um, and in the Broad Street area of Soho, the water that was used for that very popular drink was from the ding, ding, ding Broad Street pump as well. And Snow really at this point was starting to believe that this was the source of the outbreak. So he started to look at different clusters uh, around the neighborhood of, of, of outbreaks of cases. And then, you know, through process of elimination, determine whether or not they had drank water from that pump. And he actually started to collect and collate this data in what would ultimately become like a cholera map kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And this is a brilliant move. You're also seeing some testing for the people who are totally fine, who didn't drink from this particular pump and checking whether or not they also avoided cholera. This is a very important part of the test. And this is where we find the ridiculous thing. This helped Snow rule out possible sources of contagion. He found some examples of people who didn't have cholera. One was a workhouse, which is basically a prison at this point. The workhouse in the Soho area adjacent to it had over 500 inmates, but almost no cholera cases. Snow discovers it's because the workhouse has its own well and it brings in water from outside of the area. There's also, and this is this is the funny part. This is the ridiculous part. Uh, Max, if you were waiting, fellow ridiculous stories, if you're waiting. Snow also found there's a brewery on Broad Street, which should be like ground zero for cholera cases, but the guys who work at this brewery don't get cholera because they're drinking so much malt liquor. And it's... <laughs> It's because, according to the um, owner of the brewery, a guy named Mr. Huggins, he said, look, my guys drink the liquor they make uh, or they drink water from the brewery's well. We don't go drink that Broad Street pump water. And none of them had cholera because they were day drinking. To jump in here, I mean, this is actually a very um, common trend in this, round, this time period, especially earlier. Like, mm -hmm. my dad has a book about the founding fathers and their alcohol use. It's like, you know, it was copious, it was copious. Yeah. Like John Adams woke up in the morning and the first thing he did was drink two hard ciders. Like he's in bed drinking these hard <laughs> ciders. It's because it's like, you know, for a very long time, drinking the water would kill you. Right. As we're seeing literally in the story, but even like centuries before that. So, I mean, I just find it funny. Like it's part of history. I feel like we don't really ever talk about, but it's pretty entertaining to me. It's yeah. funny. And you know. People got the job done. It's like we joke about like Mad Men era, like, you know, uh, Madison Avenue executives and stuff in the 50s and 60s, like drinking highballs all day long. But it goes back way farther than that. And people knew how to hold their booze and get stuff done. Apparently, it would seem. I mean, and I will say as a as a restaurant manager for a number of years, I've been through a number of breweries. And guess what? They're still drinking the beer in the breweries. This is not something that's changed. Right. There's there's this other thing. Um, you know, we, we should point this out. This is always fascinating me, too. Uh, in this period of time when water would 
sometimes we considered unsafe and you would drink a fermented beverage. But in this period, in this period of time, the average person wasn't drinking like distilled liquor, like brandy or something. It was going to be wine or mead or beer. It is fascinating, though. I love uh, Let's give a shout out once again to Max's brother, Alex, for his famous eggnog recipe, which shows you just how boozy George Washington in particular was. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's a good point. Like all of this stuff was relatively lower alcohol by volume than liquor. So it wasn't like they were waking up and pounding shots or something like that. This was something that you could maintain on. And uh, I just got back from a trip to Germany and that's still the way they drink there. I, I mean, told you, you people, everybody <laughs> it's on yeah, the you street see people drinking <laughs> yeah. pints of beer for breakfast, you know, but it's yeah. like low ABV and you can maintain that. Me personally, beer makes me super sleepy, not really drunk. It just makes, because to the amount you have to drink of it to get a buzz for me, just puts me down. I feel like I've eaten three loaves of bread. You so I just, that part of it doesn't click for me, but it is kind of a built in safeguard to keep people from getting like way too rowdy. Cause I noticed, I didn't notice any bar fights while I was there. I didn't notice anybody like sloshed or puking in the streets. I think it is a much more of a cultural part of their existence. Uh, and they know how to handle it better. Yeah. Last time I was in Germany, I one thing that startled me was they had to get used to the the casual drinking. But you make a great point. I didn't see a ton of people sloshed. I did see a guy pushing a baby carriage. And, you know, it's one of those like I call them action carriages where they've got right. like the big back two wheels and the one in the front. So it's a tripod design or Delta design. They have these cup holders and this guy was pushing this off the off the train. And then he, he lifted up uh, or he's coming out of the station. He lifted up the holder and he had like a, a tall boy of some beer, which I'm, I'm assuming is very nice. And it seemed it seemed fine. But yeah, that's true. Lest we paint these uh, factory workers or these brewery workers as some kind of like raging wet-brained alcoholics, we do have to point out, yeah, it's a benefit for them because it's a side benefit of where they work. You know, if they worked at a ham factory, they'd probably eat a lot of ham. It also wasn't a case of them just being completely doofed to the moon every day. Uh, it's just, like you guys said, it's a more casual uh, thing for them. But they didn't have cholera, and Snow goes to this other factory that is near the pump. And this one's at 37 Broad Street. And he finds out 16 workers there died from cholera. Also, the factory was known to keep two tubs of water on hand for employees to drink at work. And that water was ding, ding, ding from the Broad Street pump. That's right. Then we have another case of an aunt and her niece who died uh, because of cholera. And this was one that really perplexed Snow because uh, the aunt did not live near Soho at all, nor did her niece. And there was no direct connection to the uh, the deadly uh, pump, the deadly Broad Street pump. But he did some interviews like he like he was wont to do. And he talked to the woman's son who said his mother had lived in the Broad Street area at one point and liked the water so much that she had bottled it up and, and saved it. And, and like, you know, had like a stockpile of it in her home. Let's so be honest. What's that flavor coming from? Good Lord. It's coming mm -hmm. from the poop. It's coming from it's coming it from the be. bad stuff. 
animal blood, if it's, if it, you know what? It could be anything. It could be like a foot. It could just be a foot that's slowly rotting. She might just be in the foot flavored water. Yeah, it's possible. It's a teach there. And just to clarify, too, she she uh, had had stockpiled some of it, but also was having like she had it delivered to her. I guess with some kind of service. Um, <laughs> that that's pretty posh, don't you think? Like, yes, she, she would have had to spend a little extra to get special delivery of water from across town. That is so weird. The privilege here seems seems a little weird, right? For a modern example, it's almost like saying uh, we've traced the latest chlamydia outbreak to. Uh, Sun Basket, the delivery service, but not HelloFresh, which sponsors no, the show. Definitely not. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's true. That. I mean, it's and and it's 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 sad because they mm-hmm. died literally the next day. They were able to trace the pumping of the water that they drank to August thirty first, which was the day of the outbreak. Uh, and she and her niece would would take the air on the veranda and share a. A glass of cool water for for refreshment, and then uh, they died uh, the very next day. Yeah, and Snow is a heroic scientist. Just just so you know, folks, because he is still at this point proving a theory. By this point, he is more than eighty percent certain that cholera is coming from the well water. But what happens next in September of 1854 completely cements his understanding. He uses a microscope and takes a sample of water from the Broad Street pump, and in it, he sees white flocculent particles. Uh, He goes to the Board of Guardians over at St. James Parish and says, look, I know this might sound crazy, but you've got to disable this pump. Remove the handle shut it down, they're killing people. And the folks at the parish aren't totally buying his story. But again, so many people are contracting cholera and dying that they're desperate enough to try anything. So the handle gets removed on September 8th and people can't draw water from the pump. It it doesn't work. It's such an easy, foolproof solution. And at this point, what's not? Yeah, and then (laughs) cases drop. Cases almost immediately drop. So let's give some fanfare noise to Dr. John Snow. Uh, (laughs) Wait, wait, cut it, cut it. No, no, Max, cut it. Because despite the fact that he was absolutely correct about this, public officials were still like, this guy's a crackpot. Well, that's the thing. He had to fight tooth and nail to even get them to listen to him at all, even in the slightest. And he was the whole time risking, you know, professional uh, annihilation, essentially, because he was, you know, pushing the he was the Sisyphus figure, pushing the rock up the hill. Everyone was pointing at him and laughing and saying, why are you doing that, idiot? And so, yeah, even though they did the thing that he suggested um, and the cases dropped precipitously, uh, still wasn't enough. They refused to do anything to actually address the problem. How about that? Sounds familiar. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll 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 pinch off this one source, but we're not actually going to go beyond that any further. So they refused to clean up all of these open sewers and cesspools and the Board of Public Health uh, put out a report saying literally that they saw no reason to uh, take on Snow's uh, beliefs. Um, And they called what he was putting out there mere conjectures. 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right. Actually, the word they used was suggestions, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, which feels like there's Jesus a Michael Christ. Scott somewhere in the parish th or on the board of health there. Bonkers. Bonkers. Uh, yeah, they still... They still insisted on attributing the cholera to miasma or whoosh, whoosh, bad air 
But over the years, Snow's theory begins to gain traction because he is correct. Uh, And people would take his research and later use it to gain a new perspective, a new understanding of how to protect themselves from cholera. But there's one question he didn't answer. There's one thing that left him uh, baffled. He could not prove where the contamination originated. Like, how did the, okay, if it comes from the pump, how did the water get dirty in the first place? We joked about foot water or, um, let's be honest, we're, we're, all, we're all mature people here. We can say it, poop water. Uh, and <laughs> there, <laughs> and there was the the officials said there's no way sewage from our town pipes leaked into the pump. And Snow said, I can't figure out whether the sewage is coming from open sewers. Maybe there are drains that are just going straight into the groundwater. Uh, maybe there are cesspools. But someone did solve the mystery. And they did it because they wanted to prove Jon Snow wrong. Let's meet Reverend Henry Whitehead. Last name, all one word. He said the outbreak was not caused by tainted water. It was caused by, wait for it, God. Divine intervention. And so he he investigated this. He couldn't find any proof. And his published reports in fact, confirm what Jon Snow said. And then Jon Snow was able to use Reverend Whitehead's research to learn something pretty interesting because you see Whitehead was conducting interviews of his own. That's right. He interviewed a woman who lived at 40 Broad Street whose child had gotten cholera from a different source, right? But since there weren't really any regulations as to, you know, where sewage was supposed to go and and where one might wash, you know, soiled clothes, this mother would wash, you know, these. this was not the days of disposable diapers. This was the days of cloth diapers that you would reuse because no one could afford anything like that. To, 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 use, to just use a, sing, a single-use garment, that's absurd because it was. So they would be washed and uh, the, this particular cholera uh, stricken child's uh, dirty diaper, sorry y'all, I meant to point out that it gets a little grosser from here, uh, were washed in a, a body of water that ran off into, into the, 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 the Thames, uh, which was directly um, feeding that, um, that Broad Street pump. Mm, yeah, so he said this is what caused that horrific cholera outbreak. And about a year later, a magazine of the time called The Builder publishes Reverend Whitehead's findings, and then they issue a challenge to the powers that be of Soho. And they say, close that cesspool, repair the sewers and drains, because in spite of, and this is a good point, in spite of the late numerous deaths, they say, we have all the materials for a fresh epidemic or a fresh edemic. They did not use that portmanteau, but missed opportunity. Uh, no, it still took a long time. Like we're talking we're talking spans of years before public officials did make those recommended improvements. And that cholera-infected kid, who was an innocent, did turn out to be the vector uh, for the spread there in Soho. And all in all, the contamination caused more than 600 deaths. But there would have been many more deaths 
were it not for uh, Jon Snow's investigation, and were it not for the delightfully boozy fat brewery workers <laughs> that he was able to he was able to use to kind of correlate the spread of this pump water and the spread of this contagion. There's a great Wired article. Uh, Noel Max, I know we both, we all looked at this. Uh, there's a great Wired article where you can read more in depth about his mapping process and about how he was able to convince the local authorities to finally, like, can you imagine you have the, they treated him a little like a crackpot. They were like, all right, well, doc, we'll take the handles off, but that's it. You know, we'll see what happens. So he was really fighting the power for a while. So shout out to Randy Alfred over at Wired for that one. Like we said, though, he did leave a legacy. I mean, it's 2022. We're talking about him today, right? Absolutely. I mean, the idea of sanitation is key, you know, to having a, a, a functional society where people aren't, you know, falling out uh, from illness. I mean, and again, we know we're living in the midst of a pandemic right now. I mean, hopefully the back end of one. Uh, but yet there it is. I mean, we certainly had to adopt very quickly some very specific sanitation regulations in terms of, you know, showing vaccination and wearing masks and all of that stuff. And it is in the service of the public good. Uh, and, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic obviously killed thousands and thousands of people. Um, so you got to take that stuff seriously. At the very least, public health officials did take it seriously. And I would argue that's largely because of the legacy of Dr. Jon Snow. Yeah, agreed. If you go to the site of the original pump in Soho today, you'll see something interesting. You'll see a plaque and you'll see a pump without a handle. That's on purpose. It is a monument to Jon Snow. The exact pump location is a little bit different. The street it's on is named Broadwick Street now, and you'll see a colored sidewalk slab. And you know what that slab is right outside, folks? The Jon Snow Pub, where you can drop in and have a 100% guaranteed cholera-free time. They did not make that guarantee. Yeah. I just made that guarantee. But I feel like that's a safe one to make, right? I think it's a safe guarantee to make on their behalf, Ben. Okay. Uh, the beer and water, 100% cholera free. But, you know, as we know, I mean, today, I mean, you know, things like kombucha and, and, you know, probiotics and all of that and these kinds of drinks are known to be good for your health and, um, you know, cultivating good gut bacteria that can help you fight disease. So the beer situation, while it also had to do with the fact that the water was different and that it was, you know, treated, the actual fermented angle of it is something that has uh, carried on today and is still very popular. It's not necessarily associated with like, okay, drink beer for your health, but fermented <laughs> beverages are known to, to do something uh, very positive for people's, you know, day-to-day -day, um, health. Outside of Germany. I think in Germany, it's Germany. like, <laughs> drink beer for your health. Prost. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating story. And there is a study from the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine that's not too, not too out of date. It's from 2011. And this study is called simply Alcohol and Cholera by Janet S. Guthrie and Daryl Ohoyen. The idea is, <laughs> what they did is they used gin. So this is not a one-to-one -one comparison with the brewery, but they found cholera did not survive 
more than one hour in any solution that's 20% gin. Uh, and it survived like they they go through gin red wine and ethanol and they look at the i guess the alcohol percentages in the mixture so that study is fascinating to to read if you are if you want to get a little more in the weeds but there is yeah there's a little bit of science to it uh, and just like you said Noel, i think we could do uh, an entire episode maybe on probiotics the probiotics are live microorganisms that are supposed to, you know, help you when you consume them. Have you guys ever drinking raw water? I haven't. I'm just asking out of curiosity. Is that the same as raw milk? Isn't that illegal? From like a, a water cow. It's from a manatee. I gotcha. It's just raw water. It's uh like I got an older article. I saw a uh, daily show, a little exhibit about it, but it's basically just like someone went out to a creek and got a bunch of water and now sells it for like $40 for a two and a half gallon thing. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, no, I've, I've, when I'm like living in the wild or something, I've, I've drank from creeks or streams. Uh, but would you I, pay forty dollars for a jug of raw water in your apartment? No, wait, U.S. dollars? Yes. No. <laughs> How did that change at all? <laughs> well, it could have been some other kind of currency. You know, it could have been. If it's forty rubles, man, sign me up. <laughs> Anyhow. Walk down the street from that joke. This one was a blast, and we hope that uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode, folks. We also hope that you take some time to check out some of our earlier episodes on London. There's always something weird going on there. If you want a particularly grisly uh, story about London and history. Then go over to our show, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, and check out Was Benjamin Franklin a Serial Killer? Not going to spoil the answer, but that one was a wild ride. Don't you think, No, It was. I mean, yeah, he definitely was up to some some weird stuff, uh, but no spoilers here. Check it out. And also check out our previous episode on The Great Stink of London, and check out our sister podcast, Stuff You Missed in History class, who've also delved into some of this uh, London sanitation nonsense. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the meantime, yeah. why not uh, find us on the Internet? Uh, we are uh, on Facebook uh, at Ridiculous Historians as the name of our Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram as a show or as human people. I am uh, at How Now Noel Brown exclusively on Instagram. But Ben, I believe you're in two Internet locales. Under this persona, yes. You can find me, folks, on Instagram, where in a burst of creativity, I have calling myself at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. Uh, if you pop on over there uh, and befriend me, then you will get behind-the-scenes looks at some of the stuff I'm working on, research I'm doing, and my various strange non-work or semi-work-related adventures. For instance, over on Instagram, if you check out my reels, I have just discovered a very strange subterranean passage uh, here in Atlanta, and it goes far beyond the footprint of the building. I'm quite excited about it. I'm going back. I want to see how far the tunnel goes. Uh, So that might be the end of me. We'll see. Uh, But in the meantime, you can also follow me on Twitter if you're not Instagram inclined. That's at BenBullenHSW. And while you are there on Twitter, why not follow our good pal, Mr. Max Williams? Yes, you can find me exclusively on Twitter at ATL underscore Max Williams. You will mostly see me retweeting about Star Trek, which was a very exciting day yesterday. 
Oh, yeah. The uh, Tuesday. new series premiered. Oh, no, it didn't premiere. It was just a new Picard trailer, which was uh, very exciting for me. What? And my eight-year-old self came out. And then, but mostly just find me trolling Ben because, you know, let's be honest, he deserves it. Yeah, I'm the worst. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.